Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello. Thank you for going to the last Schwab Twires. Twires? I don't know. Hello. We appreciate you going to the Les Schwab. Les Schwab. Why it's can't like you Vive, say tires? Vive Clouseau. It's the same. Just thing. say tires. Uh, where, where do we pick up from? Hi uh, everyone. You're listening to the Center in the Saint podcast. I'm Luke Anderson. I'm Will Darkins, well, and this is sponsored by Les Schwab Tires. Is that right? I think so. Okay. Yep. Enjoy. Doing the right thing since 1952. Sports. The final frontier. These are the voices of the sinner and the saint. I kick you, and then if you feel well enough, you can kick me in the groin. So if you throw up... Yeah, you're done. Their weekly mission, to provide hot takes, medium takes, sometimes annoying takes, mild takes, to boldly go where no show has gone before. Luke Anderson. Oh, Heater Locklear, though. Have you seen her? <laughs> That's Heather Locklear that smokes. Super, she's a little trashier, so she's, like, more gettable. Will Darkens. I started to get that feeling again, the college football feeling. It's that time where you uh, realize that on Saturdays and Sundays you can ignore your family. This is the Sinner and the Saint Tailgate Show, presented by Frostbrewed Coors Light. The world's most refreshing beer on 1080 The Fan. All right, welcome back. Hour two down here at Vancouver Ford, just off SR500 in Vancouver. Come on by, get yourself a uh, new f-150 raptor show up to uh buy it buy it from ron snodgrass yeah show up to your sister's halloween party that starts at 5 p.m for some reason so all the kids can get to bed on time in your new raptor now here's a closing technique for ron ron will he'll go if it's like ticky tack pricing right we're talking about just well, what are we talking about here? $1,000? Look, I'll come over, I'll fix your siding, and I'll fill the truck bed up with beer and ice. Hey. Done. Now you're talking, Ron. Do you have to go to a Halloween party at 5? Well, I don't have to go at 5, yes, but it do. starts at 5. It's like a little kid's party sort yeah, of thing? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be one of those. You things. know, I've never been to an adult Halloween party. Really? No. Your entire life? Not My even ent- as a kid? No. Huh. I've never been to an actual, like, real... Like, you... Uh, He's like, oh, it's Halloween. We're going to go and, like, part. No, yeah. I've never done it. See, we've gone. When I lived in L.A., those were always the fun ones because everybody wants to work in the industry. So everybody you know, either, either a makeup artist or an actor yeah. or an actress, people that do hair. So you end up knowing a lot of people that know people in the industry. And, man, they went to the nines. You'd show up and the costumes would be so fantastic. The girls would all be looking just as as fine as can be, and uh, no, th- w- those those were always fun. You go to one after going to those that's like at some swanky Hollywood bar, and yeah. No, I've never been. Like I, I went to fun. B- I went to BYU, which means there's no cool oh, party. Yeah, not allowed. No, it's super lame, so I never went to any of those. And then after that, I was married with kids, <laughs> and we just like took them trick-or-treating. Uh-huh. And, now, and now I'm so old, the idea. Oh, yeah, you've missed your window. Yeah, I'm almost 40. The idea of going to a Halloween party. 
Uh, no. Let me tell yeah, you, my sister my throws friend, one every year. You are missing out on the opportunity to, um, you know, cash in. Yeah. If you know what I mean, wink, That's wink. Easy. No, no, explain it's it. Explain it's it. Well. It's easy pickings. Yeah. Well, let, you know what worked for me one year? It was actually my freshman year at Oregon State. Was I uh, wore a cheerleader costume, like a women's yeah. cheerleader costume, with a top and uh, a little skirt, some high socks. Done and done. Yeah. Um, everybody kind of bagged on me for it, but I, I got to tell you, I got a lot of really positive, great attention from it. Nice. There's pictures floating around of me. I think I was 21 years old, and the Halloween party was the day after because it was like Friday Halloween, so we sure. did a Saturday party. So yeah. I ran into Toys R Us, picked up a 12-year-old's uh, Batman costume, oh. squeezed into that bad boy, and somewhere there are pictures of me uh, just in a uh, skin-tight Batman costume. Those will uh, those will give yeah. you nightmares. Every year I go as an adult. And uh, it's yeah. wonderful with amazing bill-paying powers. Well, that's fantastic yeah. as an adult, but as a kid, you missed out on some fun opportunities. I did. I, did. I Plenty, missed out. But it's a great opportunity for girl fights <laughs> and uh, making out, and uh, you missed it. Uh, before we get into hour two, if you missed anything from hour one, uh, Souk was with us the whole time. So, I mean, just radio gold. So you can go back to 1080thefan.com after the show, download the Les Schwab Tires podcast. Uh, Will, before we get into more football talk, there has been a request on the uh, Better You Today text line. For a little uh, LeBron going to yam on you, could you uh, accommodate us with that? You're asking me to go on the fly, and you know I'm not very good at that. Well, you'll get there. Um, Also a uh, follow-up for you, Souk, from uh, the Better You Today text line. We were talking about the South African piss bricks. Mm -hmm. Uh, This may be a strategy to fix your retaining wall, I'm told. Yeah, there you go. I do have to – in fact, that's on the list of things to do today because someone (laughs) came and stole more of my retaining wall. Yeah, (laughs) they took 20 more bricks. (laughs) Dang. Twenty more bricks. Right. So I am. Uh, I'm gonna wing on down and buy some more, and I'm gonna buy some uh, uh, like cement, like liquid nail cement. Oh yeah. To try to glue them together and make it uh, harder for next time when they come by to steal my bricks. Have you considered just setting bear traps around it? Ooh, that'd be kind of fun. <laughs> Go down, get yourself some retaining wall bricks, some liquid nails, and a few bear traps with your lotion. Electrify it, <laughs> and I think you're all set. That is true. That's a hundred percent true. My uh, it was what Thursday. I came out uh, with my son to take him to school. He's like, uh, Dad? I said, what? He goes, look over there. Oh, yeah. yeah someone stole more Bix. Loaded up 20 more of them. I like to think that someone is slowly just building a nice retaining wall of their own just off of me replacing my bricks. <laughs> well, that's kind of them. Um, so in the, in the first hour, we were talking. Oh. KD, UT's butt. Where LeBron at? KD, LeBron, he going to yam on you. <laughs> he going to yam on you. Is that it? Was that it? Uh, hey, listen, it was a texture request. I think that you you have met the uh, requirements of what? what? Well, I can't hear butt. you with the delay. What? <laughs> KD, UT's butt. Where LeBron at? KD, LeBron, he going to yam on you. Oh, wow. That always makes me smile. We don't have a lot of drops on our show no. like you do on yours. I haven't heard of that one, though. No. That's, I'm pretty excited about cheese butt and yamming on someone. <laughs> it is. Uh, the, the delightful thing about it, you'll have to see the accompanying video, but it's, uh, it's Kevin Durant walking into you know one of the finals games against the Cavs. Yeah. And he turns around like he's going to confront this dude. And so, of course, you know, that's all you want as a heckler is to get somebody's attention. Well, that's just good times. Oh, just absolutely. Call them a cheese butt. You cheese butt. No, well, and the funny thing was, Will, what was the exact misinterpretation of that? 
So uh, a lot of people say that it's UT is butt, and that's referring to Kevin Durant's alma mater, University of Texas, that they sucked. And apparently if you call a team butt, that means you're at the bottom of the league or the bottom of the standings. But the other uh, term, which isn't safe for radio, which is cheese butt, and you can look that up yourself, uh, means something entirely different. But I I don't think it meant... Uh, UT's butt. And I don't think he said that. And I don't think Kevin Durant would really care because I don't think he really cares about Texas basketball. He played there for a year. He didn't care. I don't think anybody cares about Do Texas we, basketball. Can you play that one more time? Now I want to know if it's UT's butt or if he called him cheese butt. KD, UT's butt. Where LeBron at? KD, LeBron, he going to yam on you. I, I swear I think that's cheese butt. Oh, it's cheese butt. There's no question about it. And I see you going to Urban Dictionary right now. So <laughs> we know that you know that everybody knows that it's cheese butt. Yeah, I think that's cheese butt. <laughs> so <laughs> moving moving seamlessly back into college football talk, uh, we are kind of talking about not only Washington's. <laughs> you found it, didn't you? Found it. You found it. <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking about uh, kind of the difference between the haves and have-nots in college football. And a team like Washington State, you know, has has a specialized offense where they kind of play one way. If we're going to beat you, this is how we're going to beat you. And how you kind of need to have that at some point if you're going to go from, you know, a two-win team to a six-win team to an eight-win team. But it doesn't necessarily set up well to get you over the hump. And, sure. and Oregon – as much as any team that I can think of in college football got just about as close as you can to winning a national title with an offense that was certainly unique. And, and when Chip Kelly was running the Boer offense, it caught everybody by surprise. Yeah. And I think Mark Helfrich may have been as much of anything a product of college football catching up to that style of play sure. as it was him not being able to continue the recruiting that, that uh, Chip well, Kelly had. A lot of people think that this is what may happen to Chip at UCLA, and it's so early on down there. But, um, yeah, when, when Oregon came out, that was a huge deal. No one was prepared for that. No one could yep. handle it. People would talk about having to do extra conditioning to get ready for Oregon, and it's just not the case anymore. So, um, you know, that's not – you can say, oh, Oregon, if Chip Kelly came back and, and was at Oregon now, even with better players and ran this player offense, you wouldn't have the same results. Yeah. It's just it's it's, uh, it's the, the world has caught up to it. Yeah, and, and since you guys both were, were kind of talking about it and going kind of what the eye test did, and, Will, you said playing against uh, University of Washington when they were down and they didn't have – the, the athleticism or the conditioning on their O-line when they played uh, back, you know, when they weren't winning games before Chris Peterson. And you were talking about Washington State before Mike Leach and the way they've transitioned in these two top teams. Do you see that same transition with Mario Cristobal? And I know it's early, but you brought in SEC coaches. Mm-hmm. You brought in the strength coach from Georgia. Can you see the foundation building at University of Oregon where they're trying to, to build almost inside out? They do have uh, one of the best quarterbacks, uh, I, but it, they still look like they're building a foundation for, a, for I, something. I, I know that they're building a foundation, and I think C.J. Verdell is going to be absolutely paramount to what you do in the next couple of years because he's such a great running back, and he's somebody that you can really put a good offensive line behind and get great production. But at the same time... I don't mean to really rag on the offense, but there doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason for some of the things they do. Um, a, a typical game plan for them. I know that Mario Cristobal in the media, he talks about, hey, we want to control the clock. We want to control the ball and be physical up front. But there's times where you can see they hit the panic button and they start kind of doing these play calls that you say, hey, man, you're not out of this game yet. 
Um, I thought the best example of them not doing that was last week during Washington State when they came in the second half and just kind of ran the offense and said, okay, you know, hey, we're in a huge hole right now. Whatever happens, happens. Uh, so I, I'd like to see them do a little bit more of that. Just stick to what you've already built, which is a great offensive line, a good prospective freshman running back, and, you know, you do enough play action, and those receivers are going to be wide effing open for uh, Justin Herbert. You know, he, he talks about being physical, but who doesn't want to be physical, right? It's, yeah. Uh, man, there, there, there's part of this that I, I – I, I like Mario Cristobal, and I, I I like the message that he's sending, but there is part of me that rolls my eyes a little bit when people are like, wow, he's going to bring this mentality. You're, you're telling me that, that Washington doesn't want to bring a physical mentality? You're telling me that Stanford doesn't want to bring a physical mentality? You know, I remember Chip Kelly playing LSU and just getting alley whipped, right? Remember that? Yeah. They went down to LSU. And they, I think they played him in Texas, actually. I think it was at, uh, at Jerry's place. Yeah. And it was it was bad. LSU just, just laid an ass whooping on him, And after the game, Chip saying, uh, they've got guys that we don't have. Yeah. And someone talked about speed versus power. And, and Chip's like, I want to recruit big, fast, strong guys. Because they're hard to find. <laughs> yeah. so sometimes I have to take small, fast guys. Yeah. Right? So th- this notion that, that, that somehow Chip Kelly didn't want to have big physical players, it's, it's, just, it's, it's not the case. So it, it's it's one thing to say it; it's another thing to do it. It's another thing to actually be able to go out and get it. And and you know they got Penny Sewell, who I I think is just he's ridiculous. He's hurt right now, but you know that's the sort of player. If you can go find difference makers like that, the Jordan Scotts, and it's not like Oregon has never had those. Max Unger and Jess Schwartz and and Haloti Nata and and Orshansky. I mean they they Casey Matthews at linebacker. I mean they've had guys. So I, I just. I think sometimes the message gets p- their their sports pants all tight. Oregon's like, yeah, but in, in reality, you've been a a good team. You've had physical players. You've put guys into the NFL on both sides of the ball. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, I like the message he's trying to send. Um, but everyone in some ways tries to to do that. All so that does is level the playing field. You still have to have creative offense, and you have yes. to have put your put your playmakers yes. in and opportunities. You, yeah. And I think and you with, have to yeah. be a good coach, and you have to build a program, and you have to recruit, and you have to have good uh, player development, and you can't have idiots getting in trouble, and you can't have transfers and attrition. There's a thousand things that go into building a good program, and it's not just well. Finally, we're going to have a strength coach. Jim Radcliffe is one of the best strength conditioning coaches in the world. Right? So just, it's like they go out and they get the guy from Georgia, and I get it. He's got a handlebar mustache, and he squats 500 pounds on, on the, the, you know, YouTube, and everyone's like, oh, God, look at this. <laughs> well, there's a reason why Georgia didn't make him their head strength conditioning coach. There's a reason why Alabama didn't make him their strength yeah. conditioning coach. You know, he's a really good one, but sometimes I, I think Oregon fan acts like what they're doing is reinventing the wheel yeah. with a with a really strong strength conditioning coach that yells and lifts <laughs> weights. There's 40 programs that do that. We have a coach that wants to run the ball and be physical and recruit linemen. No s, really? Because <laughs> I, I 
No, I, I guarantee Michigan doesn't want to do that. I no. guarantee, you think Ohio State goes into recruiting is like, hey, we need to get better along the fronts, <laughs> and then be physical and run the ball and and be able to yeah. stop the run. Those Bosa boys. Last time I checked, they were pretty good along the defensive front. Did you see his dad in the crowd? Yeah, uh, Joe Bosa. You Joe put, Bosa. You could put him in right now, and so, he looks like he could play. So that's all I'm saying. I'm not yeah. trying to to pee on what Oregon's yeah. doing. Far from not it, trying I, to make pee bricks out no, of Oregon. No, no, I I really like. Mario Cristobal and I think he's engaging yeah. and they're recruiting great and you know I think there's a lot to like about that program but I do think we need to pump the brakes on this idea that somehow they're reinventing the wheel and they're doing something that's never been done at Oregon before you've played for two national championships yep. with really good players you've won a Heisman <laughs> Trophy you've had all Americans you've been close to the mountaintop all right it's just just Let's just wait and see if they can build a complete program. There's more to it than saying you want to be big and tough and, and have a crazy mustache and fill the sleeves. Last night we either seen the reason that baseball is dying and will continue to die or we saw a great World Series game. Which one? I guess we'll decide next. Center and Saint, 1080 The Fan. Ah, does it get any better than Lyle Lovett on a Saturday morning sitting inside Vancouver Ford talking baseball? Well, does it get any better for you? I'm in a radio studio staring at a wall. Yeah, but does it get any better? You got Lyle Lovett playing. We're talking across uh, the airwaves. Souk decided to take a little hiatus. Uh, Look, let me tell you something. You're in a beautiful showroom right now at Vancouver Ford, staring down the face of some headlights on a uh, Raptor F-150. Fully loaded. Fully loaded. Fully loaded. Fully loaded. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> you you are there all day. Uh, yeah, all day. I have, to end, I have to end my show here in just about uh, 45 minutes. So, I mean, I'm, I'm extremely jealous of you. You get to stare at that wall all day. Since Souk stepped away, um, I th- why don't you tell us what you really think of him? Oh, God, please. <laughs> please. I know that trick. Uh, so, Will, did you catch any of the World Series last night? Are you even aware of what happened last uh, night? I, I am know, aware. I know that you hate baseball. Now, hold on a second. I'm aware, I was aware that there was a walk-off, but the, the, the delayed gratification for that walk-off for me was just too much. It was insurmountable. I, I was not able to stay up for the whatever-hour marathon it was. What was the total runtime of that game? Uh, seven hours, seven. 25 minutes, uh, the longest uh, playoff game in the history of uh, baseball. In seven hours. 30-ish? Uh, yeah, 12.35, yeah. I think, is when uh, Mac Mun- Max Muncy finally hit the game-winning home run in his uh, third time facing Nathan Avaldi in extra innings. He came, Muncy came in in the 14th inning, and he faced him three times. Evaldi <laughs> came yeah. in. Muncy, Muncy actually played the whole game, but yeah. yeah Nathan Evaldi came in in the 14th, through seven innings. No, so he came in. No, Muncy came in in the 14th, I think. Oh, I think you have This that. should maybe let you know that it, the it was, No, David Freeze came in the 14th. Oh, maybe it was David yeah, Freeze yeah, that came David in. David Freeze, yeah, that, that faced this, it. This should be the sign that you know the Dodgers are going to lose, that it takes them seven hours to even just win one game in this series. I, I, I don't know. The, the, here's, here's, what, here's what had me hanging on every pitch in that, is that if the Red Sox win, the series is over. Yeah. I mean, because now you've got a three-run lead. Dodgers have used every pitcher that they have. It's never happened before, by the way, that a team has come back from a 3-0 deficit in the World Series. In fact, it's only happened once in playoff history, yep. and that was in the 
championship series with Boston and, and New yeah, York. Yeah, and, and what likely happens is you end up, if you lose game three, you lose game four. Yeah. I, ju- I just feel that that's yeah. the way. And you've seen it throughout the history of baseball where you have one of those big momentum-changing plays, and, and you can talk about Bartman or, or Bill Buckner or even Kurt Gibson 30 years ago hitting hitting the home run game against one. Dennis Eckersley. That was game one. The big moments in, in baseball series don't always happen in game seven in the bottom of the ninth inning with a you know a full count and two outs it, big moments happen in baseball in, in these turning points and and i think this was one of those and nathan avaldi came in and pitched seven innings and was still throwing the ball 99 miles an hour after throwing 100 pitches in the 18th inning and Suk and I were talking about it before the show, and I, I don't think he caught this, but the crazy thing was in the 15th, Muncie got up and hit one that was about, looked like a foot and a half foul that would have been a home run. Thought it when, when, he, when he hit it, I thought it, it was even when it crossed, I thought it was a yep. home run. And, yep. and I was like, oh, my God, I just, you know, walk off. And then they showed the replay, yeah, foot yep. to, the, to the other side of the foul pole. And this is a full count uh, in the 15th. This was a full count. He had fouled off a couple pitches, and then he just turned on one. It looked like game over. And the next pitch, Ivaldi comes back with a backdoor slider, catches the corner of the plate, strikes him out on the next pitch. And you just go, oh, there was there was their opportunity, and they missed it. And I felt like the Dodgers were going to lose that game. And then you saw you know, the, the, the heart of the Red Sox lineup that is just a killer, and Mookie Betts making it up there. But they had pulled out most of their big guys. J.D. Martinez has that hobbled ankle, so he got pulled for a pinch runner. And and every time they get up, they, they're getting back to the pitcher. And what happened in the top of 18 was they got up Mookie Betts, Xander Bogarts, and Bogarts hits into a double play after yeah. Mookie Betts hits a ground ball that leads to a force out at second. And, and the interesting thing about that that was so fascinating is the next guy up is Evaldi. And if you have anybody that can pinch hit for him, there's your opportunity. And there was one guy left. Yep. I don't remember who it was, but there was one guy yep. left in the pen. Yeah, yeah. And so you, you, and he was already warming up. Yep. And you had, I think, you had one pinch hitter left. So at that point, you go, all right, I've got a runner on in Bogarts or or Betts. And you go, here's our opportunity, and you probably pinch hit if there's not a double play there. So then Evaldi comes out. So then he comes up against Mac Muncy for the third time in extra innings, and they get to a full count. And he threw the same pitch that struck him out. He goes for that backdoor slider, and Muncie was ready for it, and he took it opposite field. And those are the, the things, like the hair on the back of my arms. You can see it standing up there just talking about it. But I was hanging on absolutely every pitch, and as soon as he threw it, I'm like, that looked like the same pitch that struck him out last time. And sure enough, Muncie in the postgame goes, yeah, he came, tried to get me with the same pitch, and I was ready for it, and there you go. Now the Dodgers have all the momentum. Valdi was supposed to be the game four starter. Now they have to either either pitch sale on short rest or, or put in another uh, a bullpen pitcher or another starter that isn't prepared to go in and pitch game four. And right now the Dodgers have all the momentum after playing two baseball games and only getting one win. I will tell you what, I was watching that game and I got angry. And like four or five different times I was pissed that it was going that long. And yeah. yet I was, I was laying in bed watching this and – you're just committed. I was like, I'm I'm going to see this through the end. But with each inning, I got more and more <laughs> frustrated. And I'm like, good God, I don't care. Just end this one way or another. And I ended up switching back and forth. Basic instinct came on. <laughs> and so in between innings, I was flipping over to that to try to, like, like, motivate myself to get through this. And let me just tell you this real quick. That's the worst movie of all time. <laughs> 
what a hunk of crap. If you take out the nudity that at the time seemed so risque, which now when you go back and watch it, it's not even good. What an awful, awful movie in every sense of the word. I love that this is your World Series breakdown. It's so bad. So I was like, hey, basic instinct. I'm like, I'll check this out. Awful. But it kept me going back to the World Series, and I did get to watch Muncie in the walk-off. And the moment he hit it and he crossed home plate, I turned it off, and I was like, F this. Good. I saw it. I'm going to bed. I was angry that it was lasting that long. Uh, see, to me, it was fantastic. And the fact that Max Muncy, if you don't know his story, so he was almost out of baseball. Yeah. He was he was released by the A's. He went back to his dad, who taught him how to hit a baseball. Yeah, re- and he goes, rework the swing. He goes, let's rework the swing. He spent last year in spring training or in uh, in triple a with the dodgers wanted to have one more shot got an invite to to spring training didn't make the club out of spring training ended up finding a spot in the in the rotation hit 35 home runs this year and now he's a world series hero that is the most dodger thing ever it's like you know seager goes down they're like well max muncie like justin turner's a washout in new york they're like ah, i'll be an mvp over here Matt Kemp, like, hey, he decides to be good again. But this is a $200 payroll where they, they trade for Machado at the last yep. minute. They had Kershaw pinch hit. That like, was awesome. And Kershaw actually put a good swing on yep, it. Yep, but they but they have all these guys that are getting paid all this money, and your yeah. hero your Max hero Muncy. there is Max Muncie. So to, it, to, me it was, to me it was great, but I also see the argument on the other side where it's like, ah, oh, you're making me watch Basic Instinct, and you're doing that, but that's kind of where baseball sits right now. Right? I, look, I, have... I love postseason baseball. I'm not like Will. I, I do. I, I, love ba- I love regular season baseball. Uh, but there was a point last night, I'm going to say about the 13th to 14th inning, where I just was, I was like, someone score. <laughs> I don't care who, someone score, because I – I'm too committed at this point. I wanted to go to bed. I was tired. I didn't feel that good. Yeah. We were getting up to do this show in the morning. I'm like, end it. <laughs> Freaking end it. Where I was yelling at my television. I'm like, this is horse crap. Well, it's so funny because you have, in the 13th inning, both teams scored yeah. without hitting a ball out of the infield. Yep. And you have the the home run swings one after another. And you can see what's changed in baseball. And Joe Buck, you can tell he's getting a little bit delirious. And he's like, Another guy coming up swinging, swinging for the, for the fence. fences. And you could see all those infield pop-ups that yeah. were happening as guys were getting tired. Everybody was swinging for it. But, again, it was a quality at bat. A guy a guy that went, what, 10 pitches, it yep. seemed like, in the 15th inning in Muncie's at bat. And he's fighting him off. He's fighting off. He's waiting for his pitch. And then he goes to another full count against the same pitcher in a battle. That's if it, I think if more guys take that approach where you can battle in there and get those at bats, that's what I think baseball is missing a little of. And I'm glad that that's how the game was won. I felt bad for Evaldi though because that you know I I know he ended up losing and so that'll that'll probably go by the the wayside of of history if Boston wins the series maybe you know that people can remember it but that is as gutsy and as good a performance as I've seen in postseason baseball I mean that's that's Kurt Schilling bloody sock stuff I mean to come in and and throw a hundred pitches in what seven innings just and and lights out yeah and just (laughs) It blew me away. Blew me away what he did last night. Uh, so there's been a uh, suggestion on the text line that Showgirl's worse than Basic Instinct. We can get into that next. Yeah. First, got to throw it to uh, Will with your Sports Center update. 
All right, still hanging out down here at Vancouver Ford. It's tailgate days, and I know it's been a rainy, miserable week, but they ordered sunshine for you, so when you come down, you get to see your new Ford glean in the sun. Yeah, we got it uh, creeping out behind the clouds here. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's turning into a beautiful day. There's going to be some great college football games today. It'll be interesting to see how Washington State and Stanford turns out after a huge win for the Cougs. Now they got to go down to the farm and take on a team that just is waiting for an opportunity to break somebody's spirit, which is always fun. But we haven't talked to any NFL, and uh, it's going into week eight. So you're, you're, after this, we'll, we'll kind of see what the first half of the season has given us. And I think there's at least two games tomorrow that are kind of presenting must-win scenarios. The first one is the game in London, and that's Jacksonville against Philadelphia. And there's no real home team there, but Jacksonville does, I guess, have the advantage of playing a lot of games across yeah, the pond. This is Philly's first, and Jacksonville yeah. plays one every year. Yeah, exactly. So I guess you call it a home game for Jacksonville, but that doesn't really matter. But both teams are 3-4 and four right now, and both teams played for a conference championship last year. I kind of have the sense that the team that loses this game is on the outside looking in uh, when we get to the playoffs. Do you get the same sense, or am sure. I kind of overreacting? No, I don't think you're overreacting. I, mean, I don't think any time you, you, you know, you're at that halfway point in the season, and it's, look, you, you, you know, it's go time, right? you got to win, you know, essentially 10 games to give yourself a shot at the postseason. And if you put yourself in three and, at three and five, yeah. and there's only eight games left, you know, start doing some math. Yep. you got to win seven of your next eight. Yep. I mean that's and that's just that's realistic. And by the way, ten games doesn't necessarily get you into the playoffs. Both both of these teams have a little bit of an advantage that they're not in very good divisions, no. or at least in in not clear cut divisions. There's not a team that's running away with it. They don't play with a Kansas City or, no. or a Los Angeles, so they no. get that at least. But this is this is something yeah. where you need to step up. Yeah, you may play in a division where nine games can can win you and, and get you in. But no, I, I'm I'm with you. I think this is a you know, must win? No, I mean it's not a must win until you're, you know, you're mathematically eliminated. But it is that point in the season where you do got to start counting wins because you're going to run out of opportunities. And, yep. and going on a run, winning seven of eight is is really hard. Yep. Right. I mean, you can play everything right. You can go three and five and do everything right. You know, going forward, and still end up losing two or three games. Just you know, ball bounces off an upright, fumble, tip pass, you know, something like that, and you win six of eight. And you're probably not getting in. Well, and ten wins doesn't guarantee you no. a playoff spot either. No. So, so it's no, really eleven. Difficult. Eleven gets yeah. you in, and then at that point, you know, if you want to feel, you know, then then you're you, know, you got to be perfect the rest yeah. of the way out. So, yeah, I think these are big wins. I have more faith in Philadelphia yeah. than I do Jacksonville. Jacksonville, well, Philly, I think is just suffering, you know, the Super Bowl hangover, mm-hmm. right? They've had some injuries, and um, you know, we've seen this in the past. It's hard, man. It's it's hard to get up when you win a Super Bowl, and you know, I saw this with the the, the Buccaneers team that I was kind of around. You know, you win a Super Bowl, and guys don't I say they don't work as hard, but it's the NFL is an eleven month grind, right? Yeah. It it just is. You know, you you get a couple weeks off there where you're not doing anything, but you know, you win a Super Bowl and. You know, you do the talk show circuit, and Carson Wentz goes and gets married. Well, and he was hurt too. But you know, you, your your head coach writes a book, and you know, Jason well, I, Jason Kelsey lives it up at the the big parade. And and Lane Johnson's one of those guys that's been talking since it happened. This this team has all the telltale signs yeah. of a team that wins one and goes away forever. You know, it's just it's 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 hard, man. You don't you don't quite work the, the same, right? Mm-hmm. It's 
it's the it's the Rocky Three mentality, right? Rocky yeah. Rocky's on top of the world, and Clever Lang, no one's you know respecting him, and you know he's working, and Rocky's fighting Hulk Hogan and charity and, <laughs> and living the good life. It's just it's hard. It's yeah. hard to sustain it. And well, I, and I, Philadelphia wasn't a team that was supposed to win the Super Bowl no. last year either. It no. wasn't like they built this, here's their year, they're poised no. for a run. They yeah. caught lightning in a bottle. Yeah, neither one of these teams, to me, is is necessarily a, a, a real Super Bowl team right now. But I think Philly's roster is yeah. is good enough that, you know, they catch some breaks and, and they put it together that they can do it. I, I think Jacksonville is, is a bit cooked. I, they don't yeah. – they're, they're not healthy – and their defense isn't living up to their part, and their offense isn't that good to begin with, especially when Fournette's banged up. I, I, I think Jacksonville falls by the wayside and doesn't make the playoffs. Philly, I'm not ready to, to write off yet. Philly's no. roster, I think, is still one of the five or six most talented in the league, and, and Wentz getting healthy, I think, I think Philly can be okay. Plus, they've had some tough losses. Philly easily could be the other way instead of yeah. – you know, instead of three and four, Philly easily could be four and three, or even maybe even five and two. And that's where that advantage of competing against Washington and Dallas for that division, I guess, give you probably a, a nice uh, little spring in your step. Too. Yeah, Washington and Dallas may be better than we think. It's, well, sure, you know, but but I guess yeah. what I'm saying is it's not out of reach. No. Uh, the other team that, uh, or the other two teams, I think that are playing in head to head in a must win game: Seattle and Detroit. Uh, yeah. Detroit's got a first year head coach, but. You know, your time with Matthew Stafford at some point will run out, but yeah. you, I think they need to start winning. This was a team that, you know, after, uh, what, week two, they were saying that Matt Patricia lost the locker room, yeah. and they've kind of rebounded from that. And Seattle had a bye week, so they're only 3-3 three and three right now, but they are in a division where you have a team that's running away with it. I mean, yeah. the Rams, Will Darkens, Los Angeles Rams are already 7-0, and oh, and you're not going to win that division, it doesn't oh. look like, but you need to you need to start putting yourself in that wild card talk if you're the Seattle Seahawks, but they they may just be at, at a point where they're not no, good I think enough. Detroit, I, I can it, tell you as a Rams fan for a very long period of one year and two months that <laughs> they have that division locked up. <laughs> I know the full history of the Rams since last year. Yeah, well, and, and you played college football with Johnny Hecker, as I you did. mentioned many times on this show, which That's gives my you an connection. insight. I saw and, an well, and backup quarterback Sean Mannion, so yeah. you know as much as anybody about I, this team. I, I didn't have an it. NFL team, and then they started getting good, and I go, well, I played with two of their guys, so boom, that's yeah. my team. Yeah. <laughs> well, and Cooks went to Oregon State, so just claim that too. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm halfway to buying a Cooks jersey at this point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Blowing money but on it before he gets traded. Seattle and uh, Seattle and Detroit, to me, are the same team. They're, they're 500. They'll yeah. finish 8-8, eight and eight, but neither one of them – Neither one of them is, to me, a serious uh, contending team. I mean, maybe one finds its way into the playoffs. But Detroit, uh, the problem with Detroit is the, the division. To me, if you ask me right now, I don't know who's the better team. I think Seattle has a better chance of making the playoffs simply because they're going to get to play the 49ers and they're going to get to play the Cardinals. Yeah, you have to play the Rams. But look at Detroit's division. Yep. Detroit is going to have to – you have to play Green Bay. You have to play Chicago. You have to play Minnesota. Yep. Dude, that is – and not that Detroit's an easy out – but that's a that's a meat grinder, man. It that's, really is. That's a, that's a really tough division to 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 do. So yeah, this this kind of has that feel of maybe an elimination game. Yeah, could set the, the season one way or another. But neither one of these teams is is going anywhere. Um, 
they're just they're average they're average teams yeah yeah but I, I think it makes it fun and it, it'll be interesting to see too just the way that teams move forward and this is you know one of the things that you've already seen with the raiders have already pulled the shoot mm-hmm. clearly the cardinals have pulled the shoot. Giants. the giants have pulled the shoot so yeah you've got a lot of nfl teams and this is where you start to me it's it, it College football goes through this point where you get a couple two-loss, three-loss teams, and they realize that they don't have a shot at a, at a conference title. They don't have a shot at a uh, at a college football playoff. Play for the future. But in, in pro football, this is where it really gets interesting whether or not you're playing for – yourself or you're playing for your team right because there's no guarantee outside of the superstars in this league that you're coming back to that team and and teams like the Raiders if you have them on your schedule those the circles on those schedules mean something different than they did in September when you looked at the schedule the first time you have to play hard you may be the Jets and and thinking that you know hey my season's over but if you're the the backup defensive tackler the starting yep. you know left guard for the jets you better play your ass off because exactly you're gonna get your ass cut <laughs> you know that's that's you know there are some teams that pack it in the nfl but boy not many because yep. you are playing week to week uh nothing's guaranteed in the nfl it stands for not for long so yep. you do get teams that you know despite being out of it, you can see how you want seattle and, and detroit i can say that they're not playoff teams but no one in Seattle in those locker rooms in, yep. in, in Detroit are thinking that and will out and play their ass off because yep. they think, hey, you know, we, we got a shot at this. And, and, and it is true. Look at, like, Arizona a number of years ago. You know, you get into the playoffs and, and funky things can happen. If you get in the playoffs, you give yourself a shot. Well, you, it sounds like you're taking Eagles and Seahawks there, but let's make the rest of our picks the best game from the NFL weekend maybe the rematch of the Saints and the Vikings from yes. last year's divisional round. So we'll make that pick. We'll make some college picks when we look at our crystal balls next Sinner and Saint on 1080 The Fan. Hey, Will, who's this band that's playing? They sound fresh and new. The Beatles. Oh, man, I'm going to have to get one of their albums. You you, you, su- know, I, you surprisingly what? know nothing about the Beatles. Like, it's kind of <laughs> sad how little you know about them. Uh, you know what? I always forget how much I enjoy the Beatles. I yeah. mean, there's people that say that, you know, oh, I've never really been into the Beatles. The Beatles have such a collection of music. And yeah, totally. Time- hey, uh, name one of their albums. <laughs> the the White Album, uh, Rubber Soul, Sgt. Pepper, and the Lonely Hearts Club Band. There you the go. Beatles. Oh, look what at else that. Abbey Road. Anyone that says they don't like the Beatles, I just, you, you they cannot be your favorite. Yeah. But if you dislike <laughs> the Beatles. You're an idiot. Come yeah, on. Get out of here. Arguably the most, well, it's not even arguably, the most influential band yep. of all time. Yeah. Promise whatever band you like, or they were influenced by the Beatles. Uh, yes. Because yeah, I like everybody. Luke Ska. Luke loves Ska music. You're damn right I do. You do. You well, love I, ska you, music. I'm still upset that you didn't put Less Than Jake into the bumper music, you oh son of a God. bitch. You, you, you know what? Honestly, that ska stuff, that, that's straight out of the snowboard culture. The oh, hang you ten. know it is. You put wow. on your bowling for soup, throw on your stocking cap, and hit the slopes. Oh, you geez. know it, daddy-o. Bowling for soup. What a confusing <laughs> time. Is, no, is, is no, that no, that's, guys. No, no. Bowling for soup is uh, probably eighty-nine through ninety-nine. They, they have their their little resurgence. No, in but the isn't bowling for soup? Isn't that their big hit? Nineteen eighty. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Springsteen, Madonna. So isn't, wait, that, that's bowling so for soup. Both, I think. Uh, you were both teenagers in the nineties, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah. so what? Why? Why is it that you thought it was a good idea to mix? Swing and bop music with like partial hip hop and rock. Yeah, like why no one, was that a good idea? 
Well, well I, I, I don't wore, be mad at the cherry cherry popping daddies or Limp Biscuit. Yeah, I wore Bugle Boy jeans, so don't <laughs> I, you know? Look, we all make mistakes. It was the it was the nineties. You can't be judged on what you did. Yeah, it's just just pretend that it didn't happen. It was it was it wasn't pretty. Yeah, you're into mumble rap right now, Will. So you can't speak. I'm not into mumble rap. You love that stuff. Though Souk does know about um, Little Uzi Vert and uh, yeah. Lil Pump. Yeah, Lil Pump. I know you're into Lil Pump. Lil Xan? Yeah. <laughs> Can I tell you that I want to – like, there's no one on earth that I want to punch more in the face than Lil Xan. Lil. 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 Lil Xan. Lil. Uh, all right, the music talk has uh, kind of pushed us, so we're not going to be able to make our pick on Oregon State, Colorado. Great. So I'll just write in Colorado there for everybody Colorado. and move on beyond that. Uh, but – I, I am curious your thoughts on uh, Washington State at Stanford. Stanford has a two uh, gets two and a half points in this one, or take, giving two and a half points. I'll take Washington State. Um, this has all the makings of Washington State shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, but I really like their offense and their defense is surprisingly playing well. And I, I just don't like Stanford. Stanford can't run the ball. Uh, I think Washington State with their stunts up front are going to give them trouble. And so I, I, in a close game. I'm going to say Washington State doesn't kook this. They go down on the farm, they get a big win, and uh, and, and they keep – they'll be a top-10 team. Man, that'll set up for a great Apple Cup if that works out that way. So. Uh, Will, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to have to take Washington State in this one. Stanford just looks like they're having their typical Stanford letdown. It happens at any point in the season where they'll do really, really well. At this point in the, uh, this season, it was when they were playing against Oregon, but then they always have their Stanford game where they lose for – Really, it seems like no reason. And so Washington State seems like they're riding a lot of momentum. I'm going to take them. I'm going to take Stanford in this. I think it's it's funny that Oregon had such trouble with those stunts because yeah. I think Oregon had the better athletes and the, the more size up front. And if, if they played two halves like they played in the second half, Oregon wins that game. So I wasn't overly impressed with Washington, uh, Washington State. I was actually more disappointed in Oregon in that win last week. Uh, and, and Stanford still wins football games even though they have their yeah. traditional Stanford let-ups and uh, – I, I'm going to root for Washington State, but I think Stanford wins this game. Uh, Oregon, Arizona. Oregon's favored by nine and a half in this one. Oregon. Uh, I just I I don't think a whole lot of Arizona. Yeah. I, I think Oregon's just the better team across the board, and and I like the Ducks. I don't know about the nine and a half, um, but I, I you know Oregon can play a bad half and still come back and beat Arizona. Uh, I'm not sure what's with Khalil Tate, but even when Khalil Tate's the most overrated player in college football. Towards the end of the last year, Khalil Tate came back down to earth. He, he took the world by storm in those first games, but he can't throw from the pocket. He's beat up and he's hurt. I, I to me, this is this is Oregon, and, um, and 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 to be honest, with you, I think it's probably Oregon big. Yeah, Will uh, I would have to. I mean, my logical side wants to go with Oregon, but at the same time, there's a little inkling in me that's saying this is one of those letdown games. I'm telling you, uh, Suki talked about it at the beginning of the show that late start. Late kick at 7.30, it can kind of mess with you when you're yeah. coming off of an extremely emotional week where, again, you were in the Palouse uh, a, and playing in that kind of environment. You, you just you get thrown off. And so really, the way Oregon's going to take control of this game is if they do it early. You have to set the tone early. You have to show them that you're a better team early on because even the slightest window you give a player like Khalil Mack, they can just stay in the game and hang around. I'll take Oregon because it's the logical choice, but I, I'm telling you, there could be a letdown game here. 
Yeah, I think I, I like the way Oregon bounced back after the Stanford loss going on the road against Cal, and Cal doesn't seem to be the team that we thought they could be uh, when that game was played, but I like the way they bounced back. Uh, I like the way that they played against Washington. It shows that this team is maturing, and I think, if, if anything, if you believe in Mario Cristobal, he comes out and I think they house Arizona. And, and if they don't, I think that that's a, a negative sign for this uh, new coaching regime that you have in there. If you're Oregon, you need a big win. Uh, a couple big games around the country one is uh, Florida and Georgia both teams are one loss and I think this is for who plays uh, in the SEC championship game probably against Alabama yeah I'll, t- I'll take uh, Georgia in this although boy last week was real just shocking uh, when, when Georgia got the, the their their break speed off of them it just was I, I really thought Georgia was was really one of the better teams but uh, Felipe Franks in Florida I'm still not convinced that their offense is is up to par um, I think Florida's a year or two away, uh, but they're ahead of schedule. I mean, they're they're in contention, but I'll, I'll take Georgia here. I think Georgia is the is the deeper roster, um, maybe more flor- or flawed than we thought, but I'll, I'll take the uh, I'll take the Bulldogs. Gators or Bulldogs, Will? I gotta take Florida in this one. Actually, I think that uh, after their loss against Kentucky in Week Two, they've just kind of shown that with these five straight wins, it's you know they've they've gotten it somehow. Something kind of clicked for them. Their win over LSU was really huge. Uh, comeback win over Vanderbilt. Uh, I, I I mean, this kind of seems like a team that has something special kind of the whole destiny type of thing and i think george is also a little bit vulnerable at this point uh you're just kind of sitting and waiting for whichever team out of the other side of the sec has to play alabama uh and that's kind of the futility of a lot of these sec games at this point i'm gonna take florida though yeah i'm looking forward to the lsu alabama game though i think the way lsu kind of pummeled georgia a little bit and I don't know what to make of either of these teams. I kind of, I can see it going either way. I think this could be one of those games, too, where it just comes down to one of those wacky final plays. The SEC, for as much as we complain about them being that dominant conference, you get some crazy finishes because you have so many great players in there. I'm going to take Georgia. I think that because they're a team that played for uh, uh, the the college football playoff last year and has been through these moments, I think they know how to rebound. So uh, I'll take Georgia in this one. Um, One more real quick one, just uh, because I think it's the best game in the NFL this weekend. Saints, uh, Vikings, you don't need to give the breakdown, but who do you think wins that one? Saints. Saints, Will? I'll go with the Saints as well. All right, I think we're all taking the Saints on that one, so uh, not as uh, climactic as I hoped it would be. But, hey, it's been a fun show. Thanks to Vancouver Ford for hosting us. Uh, Come down. It's tailgate days. Uh, Check it out. Everything you need for Oregon football, uh, Will Darkens will make sure it gets to your ears. Uh, The game doesn't kick off till 7.30, but our coverage starts at 1 o'clock. Everybody have a great weekend. We're all done. Bye-bye. KD, you cheese butt. Where LeBron at? KD, LeBron, he gonna yam on you. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.